The second lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 23 to 29. Hear the word of the Lord. Jesus answered him, Those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them. And we will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but is from the Father who sent me. I have said these things to you while I am still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I am going away, and I am coming to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father, because the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you this before it occurs, so that when it does occur, you may believe. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, we've been spending some time, as you remember, in this upper room space within the Gospel of John for the last few weeks, and we'll continue to be here for a few more weeks. And we're in, again, this upper room narrative where John tells us, and he starts this portion of the gospel by saying that having loved his own, so he's talking about Jesus, having loved all of his disciples, he now loved them to the end. And so everything that we read about, everything that we see within this, these last chapters of the Gospel of John are really meant to be an understanding of how Jesus imparts his love to his disciples as he's getting ready to depart from them. And so he's offering them this vision of what the future could be like, of the community that they can step into, of the possibilities that can exist for them if they choose to live in to the words that Jesus is offering them. And I want to notice some of the words that we see today. Because today what Jesus is doing is he's offering his disciples a vision of how it is that we keep this idea called love alive. How is it that we keep love alive? He says, those who love me will keep my word and my father will come to them and we will come and make our home with them. How do we keep love alive in a context where it feels very difficult and sometimes almost impossible. 
And I think that one of the challenges that we face within our culture, and probably one of the challenges that many cultures have faced, is that we often see ourselves as unlovable, and we see some of those who surround us as almost impossible to love. So we see ourselves as unlovable, and we see those around us, or some of those around us, as almost impossible to love. And so what Jesus is doing is he's helping his disciples capture and sort of gain a vision of how they might navigate those difficulties within culture. I want to pause for a second and go back to some of the things that we learn all the time within our culture. If you're a working person, these are things that you will learn within the context of your HR department. If you are not a working person, you'll see um, ideas like this found within our newspapers and that sort of thing. We learn all sorts of ideas and skills in our day and age around self-care and self-management. Right? How it is that we take care of ourselves, how it is that we learn to manage ourselves. We also learn a lot of ways about how to diffuse conflict, or the flip side of that would be to engage in conflict in a productive way. Right? We learn a lot about how to engage in communication. But not all of those things can teach us how to love. In other words, if you add all of those things up at the end of the equation, you don't just arrive at love. Those skills are helpful, and I'd like to not imagine a world without them, but there is something different. There is something qualitatively different about love. And so what Jesus is doing with his disciples is he's trying to help them capture a vision for how it is that they might learn to love. Now I have a question for us. Can love be taught? Is it a skill? Is it like learning to swim or to ride a bike? Is it like learning to read? Do we ever finish learning how to love? Is it a way of life? a skill, or a practice? I raise these questions for you today because I don't know the answer to that. But I think it's helpful for us to consider what it is that love is. Because especially if we're going to talk about it as a church and talk about it as a culture, we need to spend some time meditating and reflecting and thinking about what it is that we're saying. One of the things that we learn from the Gospel of John is that this is the place where Jesus begins to show his disciples just how much he loves them. Remember, we talked about in the beginning, having loved his own, he loved them to the end. And so these are the chapters where we see what Jesus means when he talks about how it is that love unfolds. And he begins to offer a vision of the way forward. A vision of the way forward for people who want to live into this idea of what they will come to know as the resurrection. How will they begin to continue to be the people of Jesus when he is not there? And so what he tells them is it will be the pathway of love. That's what it will look like. 
Love, I think, points us towards a future. It's one of the reasons why I think that our culture loves that word so much, because it helps us imagine a world where we are no longer governed by just our own appetites. We all, all of us, those in this room and those outside of this room, we want to imagine a future where we are governed by more than just a growing economy. We want to imagine a future where life is not so much always measured by what has happened in the past, but is measured by how we can imagine things taking shape in the future. And love is part of the word, part of the way that we get at that ideal. And that is very, very good. And part of our work as people of faith is to pay very close attention to this word love. Because as people of Jesus, as people of the resurrection, this is not just our way of life, but it is our commandment. It is the one way by which Jesus implores us to live our life. He has the choice to say anything in these last chapters of John, and what he does is to implore us to live the life of love. So how do we do that? How do we do that? Part of what Jesus is saying in these chapters is that love is not so much about an idea, but a practice. It's about tending and dwelling. And both of these words, by the way, are not just so much ideas as they are a practice. Something that we actually do with our hands. Something where our intentions meet our physical body. Love is always a whole body experience. It doesn't just exist in our mind, but it flows out of our limbs. And that's why Jesus uses the word keep here. Those who love me, he says, will keep my commandments, will keep my word. And in that sentence, what he's doing is not just issuing a thin requirement or an ultimatum, but Jesus is helping us to understand that to love is to tend, is to keep. And to keep, if you think about the way that the shepherds would keep their sheep, it didn't mean that they were going to sort of place a firm rope around them to know where they were. It meant that they were going to pay attention to what was going on within the life of their flock, that they were going to set their mind and their bodies towards orienting what was going on within the life of their sheep. So to keep is to tend, to pay attention to, to cultivate. And we cultivate not just with our minds, but with our bodies. Think about maybe the way that you might tend your own garden. And if you see that something needs a little bit more attention, you're going to move yourself into that other area so that you can tend. You're going to watch so that you can notice 
what it is that you need to engage in and what you don't. Loving is about tending. And then, what is it that Jesus says after this? He gives us a promise. He says, after you begin to love, after you begin to keep, then that action becomes the place where God begins to set up shop. That place of action becomes God's home. I will come, he says, and make my home with you. And he's not talking about a specific building. He's talking about the actions that we do to engage in the work of love. And that will be the place where God sets up God's home. You see, our practices then become the ecosystem by which the Spirit of God begins to engage and take shape and become alive in. So love is not just an action that is finished. It's an action that continues to beget more and more and more action. Because once we start that action of love, it becomes the place where God does God's work. And that continues on and on. And so, friends, that means that from this perspective, we don't get to own love. We don't get to possess it. We keep and we tend. But these words are not about possession and ownership. These words are about setting things free. And that means that love is not something that is measured and scaled. But it is about something that can be found literally anywhere. In any place, in any family, in any home, in any country, in any nation, in any vocation, in any act of service, love is boundless in its display because it shows up where God has made God's home. It shows up in the places where we begin to offer ourselves and give ourselves away. So for those of you that are heading out of the house, love is going ahead of you. Love will find you in the community and the relationships into which you are headed. It's not bound. For those that have given themselves and their lives through acts of service, love lives there. It is not bound by political perspective, but it is housed in the places where others have tended the words and intentions of God. For those that are outside of the church, and for those who love those who are outside of the church, 
or for those who have had to live part of their lives outside of the church, love lives there. It is not bound by religious perspective or right belief. It is housed in the places where others have tended the intention and the words of God. So how is it that we love? How is it that we embrace not just ourselves with love, but that we embrace those around us who maybe even seem unlovable? How do we live a life of love with them? I want to close with a portion of an interview that was on the On Being podcast, which I know that some of you listen to, and it was a reflection of Jean Vanier, who served in the Canadian military for part of his life, and then when he was done with his service there, went on to found a community for folks who were dealing with different forms of disabilities called LARC. And in his reflection, in this interview, upon how it is that we engage in the work of love, John Vanier says this. He talks about the idea that the only way that we can find the way of love with others is to find that part within ourselves which is the most unlovable and begin to love that. Listen to his words. First of all, he says, we don't know what to do with our own pain. So if we don't know what to do with our own pain, what do we do with the pain of others? We don't know what to do with our own weakness except for to hide it or to pretend that it doesn't exist. So how can we welcome fully the weakness of another if we haven't welcomed our own weakness? There are very strong words of Martin Luther King. His question was always, how is it that one group, the white group, can despise another group, which is the black group? Will it always be like this? Will we be always having an elite condemning or pushing down others that they consider not worthy? And then he says something which is quite what I find extremely beautiful and strong. We will continue to despise people until we have recognized, loved, and accepted what is despicable in ourselves. So that when we go down, what is it that is despicable in ourselves? There are some elements that are despicable in ourselves which we do not want to look at, but which are part of our very natures that we are mortal. We are born in extreme weakness, and our life will end in extreme weakness. People don't want to hold on to that. They want to prove something. But the history of humanity is a history of people being born 
extremely fragile because sickness and death is a part of our reality. Friends, love doesn't promise us victory, at least maybe not in the way that we might want. But it promises us presence. Presence and embrace in the form of our deepest weakness. That is the way forward, Jesus says. That's the vision. Let's pray. Gracious God, for this vision, we give you thanks and we offer pause. It is different than the one that we imagined. It is different than that which we sometimes want. Open our hearts that we might find room for you and for everyone. Because through you, we open ourselves to the world. In your name, amen. Friends, let us stand.